If you recognize the music, that's because it's similar to a famous Hollywood movie. Speaking of Hollywood, did you know Brad Pitt has an agent? Sports athletes have agents. Why shouldn't the tech industry? My next guest is taking control of the tech shortage by sourcing the industry with the top talent globally. And he's created the room where relationships are built, not transactions. Are you looking for talented people to fulfill a career, not a job? Joining me today is the CEO and founding curator of The Room, Fred Swanaker. Well, The Room connects the industry with the top talent globally. Whether you need expertise in software engineering, cloud computing, or data science, candidates are selected, invited, and nominated to join The Room. The Room has already vetted candidates to support your growing need. And rest assured that The Room is resolving the shortage of technology talent by sourcing the top 1% of talent globally. Globally. Please join me in welcoming Fred Swanaker to the show. Fred, thanks for joining me. Thank you, John. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'm glad you had a chance to join me shortly after the holidays. Actually, speaking of that, how were your holidays? My holidays have been great. I had a chance to reconnect with family and friends. I'm calling in right now from Accra, Ghana, um, where it's a uh, hot and humid, but it's been really great to celebrate the Christmas and the new year here. All right, so give everybody a little bit of information. Fred might not be on video due to the bandwidth constraints, so we will have him on audio. Don't worry, this recording will go out as both video and audio. We'll see how well it comes out. So Fred, let's jump right into it. How about you give everybody a little bit of backstory about yourself, where you come from, your technical expertise, because I've got a lot of great information to share with everybody and a, an announcement that you did a month ago. So let's get to know you a little bit. Sure. So um, I was born in Ghana, which for those of you who don't know, it's in West Africa. I left Ghana at the age of four and every four years of my life, I moved to a new country in Africa. So I went to Gambia and then to Botswana and then to Zimbabwe um, and um then I came to college in the States, um, came to McAllister College in Minnesota, studied uh, economics and mathematical statistics. I joined McKinsey and Company as a management consultant, did work with them all across Africa. Uh, started my first company, which is a biotechnology company uh, in South Africa. And then I came back to the US for, to do my MBA at Stanford. So, um, you know, that's just sort of a bit of my my, you know, how I grew up, how I, was, how I was educated. My passion, what really drives me in life is unlocking the potential of extraordinary talent. And, uh, you know, this is something that really became a calling of mine after growing up in Africa. You know, one of the things you notice when you live in the continent and travel around to different countries like I did is we have a tremendous resource in Africa, which is our people. You know, many people think about Africa's wealth and they think, oh, that's, that's the continent that has a lot of gold and diamonds and minerals and, and uh, natural resources. But the real wealth of Africa, I believe, is, is our people. Africa is going to be 40% of the world's population by the end of the century. And it is the youngest population in the world. The rest of the world is aging. So the average age of an African is 19. The average age of an American is 38. The average age of a German or Japanese is 47. So, so, so we have this huge resource pool of, you know, and by 2035, we'll have a larger workforce than China or India. So my passion is, you know, finding exceptional talent uh, like we have in, in Africa, developing that talent and connecting it to, to opportunities. And, and that's kind of what I've been doing over the last 20 years through different 
means um, through the African Leadership Academy, the African Leadership University, something called ALX, and now more recently with the room where it's really taking this passion that started in Africa and taking it to the global stage. We're trying to do it uh, not just in Africa, but in Latin America and Asia and Europe, it's really trying to find the most exceptional people in the world and bring them together and connect them to those who are looking for them. Fred, I have a couple of questions. You mentioned that you move to different parts of Africa every four years. Why is that? Uh, to experience different culture, to get some, you know, basically educate yourself on different culture. Why? It actually goes back to the whole notion of, you know, education. When, when Ghana got independence in 1957, it was the first country in sub-Saharan Africa to get independence. At that time, the entire continent of Africa, excluding South Africa, had, um, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, North Africa, I'm talking about Sub-Saharan Africa. If you exclude South Africa, the entire continent had about 22,000 university graduates. You know, this is a continent which at the time must have had a population of about, you know, I don't know, 600 million people. <laughs> um, and uh, so a huge pool of people, and we had only 22,000 university graduates. Of those 22,000 university graduates, 18,000 came from two countries, Ghana and Nigeria. And my, my, my parents were part of that educated generation. My dad was a, a lawyer. My mother was a, was a, was a social, social worker, a sociologist and a teacher. And so as other countries in Africa were starting to develop, when they were looking for talent, they were looking for doctors, for lawyers, for engineers, they would go to Ghana and they would poach the talent. So my parents moved from Ghana to, to Gambia, you know, because of that work opportunities. And then they moved to Botswana for, for the same reason. But then by this time I was growing up and then they wanted to expose me to different cultures. So they sent me off to school in Zimbabwe um you know by myself um and uh and then of course after i got educated i wanted to start my career i moved to south africa and then i moved to mauritius and so i've just been <laughs> so it's it's let's say it's, it started as a a bit of a, an accident because my parents were moving around and then it became something where i had a bit more agency and it as they wanted to expose me to different cultures and then as i became a professional different opportunities that um, i came my i came across and also my my own passion for for the continent I love it that you got experience or different experience moving around. Your parents kind of instilled that into you in the early stages, and now you've kind of adopted that. Taking that to the next level, you mentioned some interesting stats that Africa has the youngest population, 19, while the U.S. will have uh, 38, will be their youngest. And then uh, I believe you mentioned Germany, 47. Let's talk about a little bit of a recap for AWS and then jump into the room, because I think that kind of goes into those uh, age statistics on why you created the room. So jumping into the AWS recap that we're going to talk about is that it was the first time that I, I, don't, I didn't get a chance to meet you. you. You came on stage with Sandy Carter, who's a huge uh, you know, advocate for me and a mentor of mine. She brought you on stage and that's where you announced the room. Let's just jump right into it uh, with Sandy and the room. What is this? Yeah. So the room is trying to really address a critical challenge that is facing the world today, which is a massive shortage of talent, specifically technology talent. We're sitting in an era of digital transformation where, which has been accelerated by the pandemic. Every single company today has to be a tech company. Every single process is being automated and you know, as a result, a huge, huge shortage of technology talent. Um, you need software engineers, we need data scientists, we need UX, UI designers, product managers, cybersecurity specialists, uh, people in cloud computing. And so, you know, at AWS reInvent, which is where I made this announcement, I met, you know, there were 30,000 people from the technology industry there who were, they're building the infrastructure 
of today and of tomorrow. Every single person I met, the single biggest problem they face, what keeps them up at night is talent. They can't find enough cloud talent and software engineers to do what they need to do. And what is happening today is therefore everyone is fighting over the same few people. And, you know, people, you know, in, in the technology field, every 12 to 18 months, they move into a new company. So it's very hard to build a stable culture. You know, salaries are going out of the roof. And therefore, what we believe is needed is um, a source of new supply of talent. We can't just be looking in the same pools and expecting different results. So we need to radically, when, when there's a demand supply imbalance, what you need is more supply. What we're trying to do in the room is to firstly create new supply of talent, right? So we're identifying exceptional talent in places where there's an abundance of talent, like in Africa, but also in Latin America and other places. And then we are developing this talent to the demands that we're seeing, like in these uh, you know, high demand technology areas. So we're developing talent in you know, software engineers, data scientists, et cetera. And then we are connecting this talent to those who are looking for them, um, leveraging technology and also non-technology based uh, means. So that's what the room is. It's really a community of extraordinary talent, which is born in Africa, but that is going global. And we are curating all of this exceptional talent and, and then connecting them to, to organizations that seek them with a, with a specific focus on technology talent. That's what we announced at AWS reInvent. What's also unique about the room is that we are building a very long-term relationship with the, with the members of the room. So it's important to understand the room is not a job board. It's not LinkedIn. It's not Indeed. It's not, you know, monster.com. It's a community of talent. And the reason that's important is because today, you know, when you go to most places and you're looking for talent, First of all, uh, there is no curation. There's no uh, selection. You're, you know, LinkedIn has 850 million people. So when you, when you put a, a job advert out there, when you're looking for talent, you get inundated. You have to go through hundreds of CVs to, hunt, to find one person. So what we're doing in the room is we're doing that selection process upfront. We're screening and finding only the top two to 3% of talent. So they've gone through a very rigorous selection process. And so that you know that when you post a job to the room, the worst person in the room is better than 95% of people on LinkedIn because you've actually done that filtering. And so you don't have to go through 100 CVs to find one hire. You have to go through five. It's the first thing. So it increases the speed to hiring because you don't, you, you know, you're able to, the, the quality is, much, is, is, is significantly higher because we've already done that vetting. So it's a vetted pool of talent. The second thing about this community that is important is, is that today, 50 to 80% of people lie or exaggerate on their, on their resume. You know, if you go to a job board or an exec or a recruitment agency, they'll say, you know, you should really hire John. Trust me, John is a great guy. And I say, how long have you known John? Well, I met him last week. <laughs> I don't know if John is a serial killer or if John is, you know, has just been released from jail. You don't know anything about John, but you're recommending this person to a company. In our case, we can say, well, I've known John for 10 years. I've known John for 15 years to a high degree of trust to the process of finding talent because of this long-term relationship. So one of our mottos in the room is relationships, not transactions. We want to really have that long-term view and, and depth of understanding of someone's passions, their interests, and their, their skills so that when we recommend them to, to an employer, uh, we can do it with much more accuracy and the employer can trust us a lot more because when we say that this, this is what John is capable of, we know John because we've been tracking him for, for quite a while. And that's why collaboration with AWS is so important because, you know, you know, obviously, there's a lot of data that you build up um, over a long-term period about some about about the talent, and so you know it needs to be stored securely. You need to then you can start to you know leverage you know machine learning to to do matching of people to, to opportunities with more accuracy, et cetera, et cetera, with all the knowledge that you know of the person. So these are some of the things that we're that we're doing with Amazon. And the final thing that's about unique about the room is that 
like the name implies, it's not only an online platform, but it's also an offline platform where we are creating physical rooms in different cities around the world where anyone who's looking for top talent just walks into a, the room. So you can imagine in Chicago, London, New York, San Francisco, you're looking for top talent. You just walk in the room and they're sitting there. <laughs> and, you know, you want to, as an employer, you want to you build your brand. You host an event in the room. You go to events and other experiences offline because in a world which is increasingly online, it's hard to know certain things about people that you can't tell just on an you know, online, on a resume. So by meeting people in their natural states, building relationships with them, maybe three months, six months before you might hire them, you get to see them when they're not pretending to be someone else in an interview. And you get to really build a relationship with them when they're no, you know, and see their true character and uh, and build your brand as an employer and so forth. And, and with that, then when you now come and you're starting to, you know, engage uh, in a, to hire the person or whatever, Again, there's that greater trust. So this is this is what is, uh, the room is, is is all about. Fred, you touched on building relationships, not transactions, long-term engagements, tracking, and really getting to know somebody before they recommend it. Uh, when we talked previously, you gave an analogy that you know, in like an actor like Brad Pitt has a talent agent, right? So why can't the top talent in tech have a talent agent? Somebody out there advocating for them and says, you know what? I have the best person for the role. Why? Because I've known them a long time. Here's what they've done. Here's how they succeed. And here's what they can do and help you out. So they're out there advocating. It's not, uh, you know, you're kind of applying, you said Indeed or LinkedIn or even Monster, and you're just dropping resumes. Well, this talent agent is the person reaching out to these people and really kind of advocating on your behalf. But you, you also mentioned something that this talent agent is saying, maybe you should take this job first get the experience and then move to this next job. Is that how it works? Is that how they're kind of progressing you through yeah. your career and path? Exactly. We call so those challenges that you mentioned, we call them pathfinder and they are full-time staff and part-time staff that work in the room. And their job is to know the talent and to advise the talent, to mentor them and to track them over that 10, 20, 30 year phase. So, you know, we, we tell the talent the candidates that apply to join the room, the room is an, you can't just sign up for it, by the way, you have to, apply and be screened and vetted or, you know, or to be selected, right, to be invited into it. So once you, those who come and become members of the room, we're telling them that this is a place where they get to build a career. It's not a place to get a job, right? And so as they're going through different stages of their career, the guide who helps them to navigate different phases of their career is this pathfinder, you know, this talent agent, so to speak. And they are your, you know, your advisor, your mentor, your advocate, your ambassador. They are, you know, recommending roles for you, advising you, and trying to optimize for your career, not just a short-term job. So we, yes, some cases they will say, you know, there's an offer that you have. They're going to pay you a lot of money now. But based on your long-term ambition and passion, what we've discussed, you actually should turn that job down and do something else for six months or one year, which will position you, you know, much stronger for the longer term journey that you're on than the short term quick thing that you that you might have right now. So that's really the the role of the pathfinder and then you know that person also can complement the technology when it comes to the matching process for an employer because the technology can only go so far in knowing someone and recommending someone. The human intervention then comes in because you you know there are a lot of intangibles that go into um 
a successful relationship between an, an organization and talent, right? It's culture is very difficult. The best AI has cannot understand culture and chemistry and, you know, issues of diversity and inclusion and other characteristics that are crucial for teams to form well and to, to succeed well. Communication. There's certain that traits, you know, passion um, that the computer just cannot pick up. And so the, the human interaction and the pathfinder and their deep knowledge of you supplemented with the technology that we have is what we are rebuilding here in, in with the room. So Fred, with pathfinders in that they would tell you not to take a role because obviously the, the number one question when you look for a job is what's the pay? Where the pathfinders are looking at it is, yes, it pays really well, but it will hurt your career versus help your career take this shorter versus a long-term career. And, and we're speaking career, not jobs, because the room is not something where you can go in and just quickly apply, get in, get out and find a job. You know, it's a long-term investment to me. And, you know, the people there are there, they're invested in your future and in your career. Exactly, exactly. They're really trying to help you to optimize for, because, you know, it's a marathon, not a, not, not a sprint. And those who are truly successful, with their careers, manage their careers that way. They don't just, you know, if I think about my own story, right? I graduated from McAllister College and had an opportunity to work, you know, in management consulting firms in the US and with some of the top investment banks like Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, those type of banks. And the kind of salaries I was looking at for my roles were, you know, at the time I would have been earning about $80,000 a year. I decided to join instead McKinsey in South Africa, because it was more aligned with my passions and my longer term career. Uh, at the time, my salary was $25,000. So I took a $25,000 job versus $80,000. But what it did was because, and the reason I chose it is, is Africa at the time was really early stages of, of a new phase of development. And so I knew that I would get much more responsibility than my, than my colleagues in the US. And so on the ground, within six months, I was advising CEOs of companies in Africa and I was being given much, much more responsibility than I would have had if I was working in the US. So I grew much faster than my colleagues in the US. Then I left McKinsey and um, had an opportunity to be a, a co-founder of a biotechnology company. Again, that was part of my long-term plan to become an entrepreneur. So I took that opportunity and my salary went from $25,000 to $8,000, <laughs> right? Um, so I was going the opposite direction, right? Um, but again, it was a tremendous learning opportunity. I became a you know, co-founder and COO at the age of 22, 23, built a biotech company, learned how to raise venture capital. And it was a tremendous learning experience. Then I go to Stanford Business School um, and coming out of Stanford Business School, I'd been sponsored by McKinsey and I was supposed to go back to them. They were going to pay me at the time about $140,000. And I was on the path to, you know, if you stay in McKinsey after five, six years, you're earning about a million dollars a year. But what happened? I said, I'm going to start the African Leadership academy which is again more aligned with my passions and my salary for two years was zero i had no salary <laughs> so i've gone from twenty-five thousand to eight thousand to zero <laughs> um because in the early stage of of your um just 15 years after stanford you know i have succeeded beyond my expectation you know even financially done way better <laughs> um than if i had not you know because i've started about eight companies some of them are for-profit, some of them are non-profit. Um, they've, they've been very successful. I have grown and, you know, and I'm, I'm now in a stage of my career where those early investments I made 
are paying off significantly. Um, and so my career has been much, much more successful than if I had gone into that investment banking job and been a minion there earning a lot of money doing uninspiring work. I would have burnt out. I would have gone on to do, you know, maybe earn more money in the short run, but I would have earned much less money in the long run. Right. So these are some of the, the things that are pathfinding. And again, I'm not saying that, you know, every member of the room is going to be asked to not have a, only take the lowest paying jobs and and to starve and as an entrepreneur. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying in my case, because I wanted to be an entrepreneur, that were, those were the right steps to take for my career. But every person will have a different path, right? Most people will not do what I did, <laughs> but then most people aren't on journeys to build things like what I'm trying to do, right? Uh, but the Pathfinder helps you to find your own personal path to greatness, to success, to impact, um, and ultimately to fulfilling your greatest potential on this earth. Fred, real quick, talking, we, we talked about the Pathfinders and you mentioned the screening process. What does the screening process look like and how long does it take? Because I, I kind of imagine where a screening process is that they do their homework. Not only, I'm, I'm sure you're pulling some automated data, but they go and you know investigate, obviously, profile, uh, your social media presence, uh, really kind of your passions to make sure that you are that top one to 2% talent, bring it in because they're, you're going to invest your long-term, right? So the Pathfinders are going to be there helping you out invest long-term careers. So they want to make sure that you're dedicated as much as, you know, they're dedicated. So what, what does the screening process look like? And really how long does it take for one to go through it? That's a great question. So um, it depends where the stage of career that you're in. So if you are early career, the screening process can take as long as 12 months. If you're mid to late career, you know, it's about, it's a few weeks. Um, the way, I'll, I'll start with the, the mid to late career selection process. The way that works is that you either have to be nominated by someone that is already a member and who we know, you know, kind of meets our values and so forth. So, so you have, the members can nominate. And then once you've been nominated, you then go through an interview process and we do background checks on you and, and, and things like that, you know, like you as if you're going into any company, right? So if you were to join a top performing company, you would go through a process where you would have multiple interviews, they would do background checks, they would assess whether you've actually got the qualifications you claim you've gotten, et cetera, et cetera. So we do the same thing. You have to get recommendations from three former managers that have worked with you who kind of say, hey, I know that John is a top performer, right? Because we ask them, is John one of the top 5% of people you've ever worked with? And the managers have to say yes. <laughs> Right. And if we hear that from multiple managers, not just one manager, but you need to get recommendations from three managers. Right. And then we say, okay, well, they're consistently saying that John is a high performer. We correlate that with our own experience of John through the interview process. We correlate that by looking at the organizations he's, he's, he or she has worked at. We look at the training they've had. We look at the stuff. You look at all that and they say, okay, you know, John is, is top 10. So it's a bit of an art and a bit of a science. Right. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, you're picking a great team to join. So, so that's, that's kind of how the, the process looks like for, you know, uh, mid-career team because you, they have more of a track record already. We bias the, the selection process to their track record. One of the things, you know, because we're looking for doers, not just talkers, right? People who've, who've done things and they've actually started to show that they can, when given an opportunity, they deliver. They are people with integrity, right? And that's kind of where the background checks and everything's coming. So, so that's kind of the mid-career. Again, so three to four weeks and then, you know, you're in. For the early stage career, the way it works is that we take them through uh, an online application process where, uh, so for example, 
um, you know, they they have to do a few problem solving challenges and, you know, assess their English ability and things like that, uh, the, the quantitative reasoning. And then once they pass those, those online screenings, then they go through an interview process. Um, and then depending on whether they're going into certain verticals that we have in the room, they will then go through a, a one month to a 12 month boot camp where we, we, you know, so for example, we have, you know, if you're joining a cloud computing vertical as a young person, we would take you through a four month bootcamp to get, make sure you're ready with the latest technologies and you understand the state of the art in cloud computing before we then, you make it through that and we say, okay, you made it through the bootcamp, you can now, you can join the room community. Those who are joining to be software engineers, for example, we have people who work for two to three years. They didn't do computer science, or maybe they did do computer science, but they've been sort of not necessarily working in the most rigorous environment, or maybe they have never done anything with, with engineering. So we take them through um, a 12-month boot camp where for 12 months, they code for 75 to 100 hours a week, and they build software, and they go through, and then they learn the latest technologies, front-end, back-end, DevOps. Some of the masters specialize in machine learning and things like that. And you take them through this 12-month full-stack software engineering program. And then when you pass that, then you join the room. <laughs> um, and so we can take someone who's done, you know, art history and they've done sociology and they want to be a software engineer. Say, so, okay, great. We take you through this program. You know, you've been working for two, three years and you want to become, you're realizing that the future career opportunities are in, in, in technology. You want to get into the space. You're excited about the digital transformation that's taking place. So we can then help you to transition into that. All right, we take you through this bootcamp. Same thing with, you know, people who want to enter cybersecurity, that's all months. Product management, you want to become a product manager as an early career person. You, you go through this initial screening process and then you might go through a four-month bootcamp to become a, a product manager. Um, again, length of the bootcamp is about three months and the, and the longest is 12 months. And that's for those who are going to become the, uh, the, the software engineers. Fred, you, you kind of indicated that this is a long-term process within the, you know, early stages. I have to ask, it sounds like a, it sounds like a huge investment for somebody, which is great because those who are going to invest in it, you're going to invest in them. Somebody who's not willing to obviously taking the time out to do all this stuff is really hard for the room to take, take on. Is it, is it something that somebody can do while at another current job or role, or if they're in their early stages, they might be working somewhere that they have to obviously quit join the room is, you know, what is the, is there any cost associated with it? Excellent question. Excellent question. So obviously the mid-career folks, they don't have to, they just can't do it. They don't have to quit their job or anything because I mean, it's a, there is no boot camp. There's no um, cost to join it. There's no opportunity cost to join, let's say, right? because you just join and uh, you become a member of the room. For the early stage uh, talent, uh, the answer is yes and no. Some of the programs, the selection process and the boot camps are things that you can do part-time while you're working. So you know, um, spending, say, an extra 20 hours a week on your, on your day job um, to brush up your skills. But then, you know, you know that, hey, after this four-month investment, it's going to open up a tremendous world of, of opportunities for you, right? And you get to join the room. You know, you participate in the ongoing support of the Pathfinder. You get master classes. You get to attend really cool events, and you you know use these the space, the network of, of the, the private members clubs that we're building around the world. And you know, you're you're part of this community that's going to really help you navigate your career. So, what's a three month investment of twenty hours a week to get into that that community, right? So you have that. But for some of the other programs, like the software engineering, where it's like I'm radically transforming my career. If you are already a software engineer and you're working at Apple, 
and you've been an engineer for five years, you, you know, then, yeah, you just go through the mid-career process and you're, you know, but if you are someone who has not been in software engineering whatsoever, um, you know, working in a museum because you're passionate about art and you're like, you know what, I really am excited about the future potential. Maybe I want to apply it to art. I want to, I want to get into NFTs, <laughs> right? And, uh, and, and, but I need to be, to understand software engineering because I want to, you know, so for that, because it's such a radical change from a skill set that you already have, you might have to quit your job and focus for 12 months on this because it's, it's very intense. It's 75 to hundred dollars a week of, of, of software engineering, of coding and building things. You can't do that while you're also holding a job somewhere else. Right. So, but again, that's, that's the extreme. So, so you've got different levels of commitment required, but what is exciting about it is um, you don't have to pay to go through those things because our business model uh, is primarily run from companies who get the talent um, through us, the talent who are being, you know, who are going through this selection process. Um, don't have to pay, for example, for the 12 month bootcamp to become software engineers or the, you know, four month bootcamp to become a, you know, a cloud computing um, practitioner, et cetera, or a cybersecurity bootcamp, you know, or the financial analyst bootcamp. These things are essentially subsidized by the corporate partners that we have. You, therefore, the only reason, obstacle that would block you from entering the room as a talented young person would be uh, you not wanting to put in the time and effort to really transform your career. And you know that on the other side of this transformation process are the world's top employers, because they know that if we've taken you through this rigorous screening process, we've saved them a lot of time and effort. And so that's why all, you know, we're getting a lot of the top companies coming to us and say, hey, we, we need to be part of the room because you've got the best talent in that room. I think that's nice. I think it's a significant investment, not only into people, their career, the culture, and to other companies. Companies are investing. Relieving your mind of the cost of the class is definitely one of the factors in order to attend. Now, are you, this is, you're based and started in Africa, correct? Um, yeah, I started in Africa, but it's a global concept. So right now we, we have about 5,000 members from 80 countries around the world. Um, and we have members in Latin America and Europe and Asia and all across Africa, of course. And we're strongest in Africa right now. But, you know, if I think about my long-term vision for the room, I would say I want to have a third of the members from, the, from Africa, a third from Latin America and Asia, and a third from Europe and North America, so that it's a truly global community. We are rolling out the room communities in different cities around the world. And also one of the, one of the things that's very exciting is that thanks to you know, one of the Obviously, COVID has been devastating for many reasons, but one of the positive benefits of COVID is that it made remote work a lot more of a normal thing. One of the real benefits that we see the room can bring to organizations is that they can tap into incredible talent that is now that is abundant in places like Africa and Latin America, and they can hire them remotely, and you don't have to worry about visas and work permits and all of those things, right? So, uh, you know, we have... Right now, for example, companies in Brazil, Mexico, and in Colombia who are hiring software engineers from Africa. And we have companies in Spain and, and the USA and India who are hiring software in Israel who are hiring talent from us in Africa, <laughs> right? Um, and so in order to facilitate that, we are building the room communities all around the world because you know, you're going to have a room community in New York, a room community in Chicago, in San Francisco. And in that community will be members from those cities who employees from those cities 
might want to build relationships with and hire them. But those relationships that we establish in New York or Chicago or San Francisco might also want to tap into the talent pool that we have in Africa or that we have in Latin America. You know, as a utility in Iowa is looking to revamp its technology, today you have to struggle with Facebook and Google and Amazon to find the talent that, and those guys only want to work in Silicon Valley. And you as the, the, the poor utility in Iowa, you don't have access to talent. Well, we can give you that talent. <laughs> Um, that's, that's kind of why it has to be, it's a, it's a global concept, even though it was born in Africa, because talent is increasingly able to work beyond borders. Um, and so we want to really make this very fluid and enhanced talent mobility, but without many of the restrictions that you had in the past. Now, the reason that I asked, and I give a little bit of backstory, and the reason I asked it was born in Africa, because I know that you're in 77 countries, and I wanted to bring some clarification that you're not providing talent for just the local community. So think of, okay, we're in Africa right now, but we're not saying that the talent that's in Africa is only isolated to Africa. It's a global thing. It's a global reach. And it, you know, you can, and just like you mentioned, and you provided clarification to actually jump to my question of, can my, my talent really be remote from Africa to Mexico to, you know, the United States? And I think that brings a lot of value because th this whole pandemic was definitely hard on a lot of people in the aspect that they made remote work and remade, made this remote talent possible. I, I guess my next question, was the room built during this pandemic or was it an idea or concept before it and it just happened to expedite during it? That's a great question. So the room actually started out in late 2019, just before the pandemic We've been building it during the pandemic. And so um, it's been an interesting experience. You know, we were, had we started it before the pandemic, we probably would have rolled out the room members spaces much faster, but we had to obviously slow down and invest more in the digital community. People are getting vaccinated and we might be getting back to more normal life in the coming months. We'll start to go back to having some amount of physical experiences. We began developing it just before the pandemic. We, ex we ex accelerated during the pandemic. Um, but I must say that I've been thinking about this whole idea of how do you manage and how do you support someone through a long-term career for a very long time because of the work that I started in Africa, you know, almost two decades ago with the African Leadership Academy, which is a high school that we started to select the most outstanding young people in Africa and educate them and send them up to top colleges around the world. Um, we then built the African Leadership University and we started this thing called ALX which is training people for the fourth industrial revolution. I've always been passionate about staying in touch with the talent that we've been developing. And, and this whole idea of long-term talent management has been something we've been doing in different ways through these previous ventures. And the room is really just taking a lot of that experience of the last 20 years, doing it on steroids on much larger scale, you know, leveraging technology and managing a few hundred or a few thousand and network of a few hundred, a few thousand to, to now hundreds of thousands and eventually millions of top of, of highly talented people, you know, and I'll, and I'll give an example, this long-term, you know, talent that I'm talking about, but maybe I'll give you two, two examples. There's a, there's a young man called Spencer joined the African Leadership Academy at the age of 18. You know, he came from a relatively limited, modest backgrounds in South Africa. He had a single, you know, sing, single mom. He came to the academy, uh, it was a boarding school that we started in South Africa 20 years ago. And from there, we helped him get into Harvard. And he, he went to Harvard and studied applied physics. Uh, and then he, we then helped him get his first job at McKinsey and Company in South Africa. And he did some really interesting work. And then after two, three years of working at McKinsey, he wanted to be an entrepreneur. 
And Spencer was trying to raise $200,000 to start a company that would uh, transport cargo across Africa using airships, right? So when you meet this kid, you think you're talking to the next Elon Musk, right? It's a big thinker. He's talking about building airships to transport cargo, you know, real big idea. If he was in Silicon Valley, he would have, with his McKinsey pedigree, his Harvard uh, degree, and a big idea, he would have been flooded with funding, <laughs> right, to do this disruptive thing. But he was struggling to raise $200,000 to start his venture. So through you know, our networks and the fact that I had kept in touch with him, we helped him first to get a speaking slot at Singularity University. That was, they were doing a conference, you know, Singularity, they do a lot in this disruptive technology space. And that gave him some great publicity and exposure. Then we helped him through our networks get into an incubator program in Israel, where he then got to spend four months building his startup, and he got voted the top startup in, in his class, which is a big deal in Israel because Israel is known as the startup nation. And then again, through our networks a couple of years later, former CEO of Google, Eric Schmidt, was starting this thing called the Schmidt Fellows Program, where he was looking for the best entrepreneurs in the world, 15 of them to kind of, he would mentor them and coach them and, and also fund them. And they approached us and said, we know you've got the top talent in Africa. Can you recommend them? So we recommended Spencer for this program and he got selected into that. So now Spencer's gone from someone who was struggling to raise $200,000 to he just closed the 3 million series, B, series A round. And he's got 15 uh, engineers. He's building his airships. Um, he's now, last year he was listed on Fast Companies, most innovative companies in South Africa. He was one of the top 30. And, you know, Airbus is interested in partnering with him and he's on his way. And this is what is the potential here. It's, and this is why I was able to, at one part of his, as part of his um, capital raising process, when Spencer was starting to raise money, I sent an email to, he was looking to raise 50,000 at some stage. And I sent an email to uh, some of the members of the room, some of the more experienced people in the room. And I said, here's this young man. I've known him for 10 years. He's an amazing entrepreneur. You should back him within... 24 hours, he had $100,000 from the people that, that, I, that I recommended. And this is why, and they knew that they could trust my recommendation because I had known this, this guy for 10 years. And that's really what is the power of, of, of the room. And, and, and so you asked me, you know, was the room developed in, during the pandemic? The room was definitely formally developed and accelerated through the pandemic. But the idea, some of the principles behind the room of selecting exceptional people, developing them throughout their lifetime, and connecting them in a trusted long-term relationship to opportunities is something that I've been doing for 20 years. And we're now just bringing it together in a more formal way uh, in this concept called the room and, and, and taking it beyond Africa, beyond African talent to really global talent. Because we think that this is a, it's not just an African solution, it's a global innovative solution for, for really connecting um, extraordinary doers to the organizations that need these doers to impact them. So Spencer's story is truly inspiring. And it really kind of puts things into perspective, not only your passion, the passion behind the room and how it really invests in the, the talent, invests in you as people to really progress your career and, and the progress because you can envision you as Spencer and trying to do this yourself and there's always that one person who is your mentor or who might advocate for you. And that's how I see the room. That's how I see that they're there. They're basically your talent agent. Now, Fred, I, I have two more questions before we have to wrap up a little bit. With the room, you actually indicated that there is physical. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I said, talent, finding talent is 
one of the biggest challenges facing most companies today. So I find especially top talent, right? Those doers, the folks who can really uh, accelerate your company's progress. Um, it's very difficult for most companies to, do, to find that talent. So you need to get creative, right? And that's why the room is offering that creative solution to companies. So we're saying, yes, there's an online platform. You can, you know, go and find people online and everything. But there's certain things about that person, about those people that you just cannot tell from being online. Online tends to be very transactional. And we're saying, think about relationships with talent and build your, your brand with the talent so that you start to meet people to maybe three to six months before you hire them, maybe even two years before you hire them. And you get to build that trust with them. You get to see who they are in a, in a setting where they're not pretending to be someone else because they're in an interview with you, right? And so that's what these room spaces are meant to do. They're, think of it like, you know, the modern day version a private members club, right? Where the, but, but, but the reason for entering this club is not because you come from a certain, you know, skin color or socioeconomic status or school that you went to, but it's because you're talented. That's why you're in them, right? And because you have good values and, and you're passionate about changing the world, right? And you want to have impact in the world. So you go into a room and, you know, you see oh, uh, this amazing talent and you can host an event you want to build. Let's say you're, you know, I don't know, you're a company and you're trying to build your reputation as an AI specialist, you know, or as a you know, company that's doing some really cool machine learning. You can go and take your chief machine learning engineer to the room members space in London and host an event where you get to showcase your thought leadership. You have a couple of people on, for who work with your company, speak on a panel. And afterwards you, 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 you do some cocktails and networking with, with some of the members of the room and they're getting to know who you are. Six months later, three months later, you, you post a job. They're like, oh yeah, that's that company that came and told us about all the cool stuff that they're doing. Man, I love meeting their people. I'm, I'm, I wanna join this company, right? Or you're an executive um, and you fly from London to, to Berlin. And when you land there, you switch on your room app and it says, hey, John, we know you're looking for two UX designers. Here's five in Berlin right now. And then it says, oh, we noticed that you're free at, on Thursday at 2 p.m. Do you want to meet them at the Berlin room space? You say yes. And so you walk into the room at 2 p.m. on Thursday. There are your three UX designers waiting to meet you. And you do interviews with them. And then after that, you hang out and network with some of the top talent that's in Berlin, right? So it's that blend of the online and offline world that we're really trying to go for with the room where, or you're, you're, let's say you're an entrepreneur and you walk into the room. We know that you're building a, a venture in, in healthcare. We can say, oh, there's actually a healthcare venture capitalist right here who's looking to meet young entrepreneurs like you. Can I go introduce you to them? I connect you, you guys have coffee and you start to, to, to network right there, right? So, I mean, one of the, the key things, principles behind the room is that 75% of jobs are never advertised. 80% of jobs are filled by word of mouth. Who you know often matters much more than what you know. Networks and relationships have always been and are going to continue to be more powerful ways of finding opportunity than simply posting stuff online, right? So most of the opportunities that you see on all the job boards is only 25% of the opportunities that actually exist in the world. So what we're trying to do with the room is to make it a bit easier so that it's not murky and it's not about having that uncle who knows that friend who has that job opportunity, whatever. It's like there's a structured process that's surfacing these opportunities in a more structured way. Uh, you can democratize access to opportunity and make it slightly easier for exceptional talent to really fulfill their potential because we're facilitating 
the relationship building and the networks much more than if they were just to do it by themselves. I love how the you go to the app, uh, you open it up, and all of it says it says for those that are looking for top talent, that it says, hey, you know what? There's a bunch in this area if you want to meet up and you know interchange and talk. Uh, so it's not only on the talent side, but it's on the companies that are hiring as well. And you're really collaborating and working together to find the best talent for the roles to be fulfilled. And I, I agree with you. It's not, you know, a lot of the jobs are not posted. It's, hey, you know what? I have this upcoming role. I think you'd be a great fit for it. And it never- For the companies, pretty simple. Go to the room.com. You can see the talent verticals that we have available right now. Immediately sign up and say, hey, I want to talk to you. Within days, we can have a call with one of our representatives. They can learn more about the kind of talent that you, you're, you're, you're looking for. And then you can also become a member of the room as a company because as much as we want to build relationships with the talent side, we also want to build relationships on the company side. We want companies to see us not just as a place to do transactions. I need someone today. No, it's like come and build a relationship with us so that we get to know you and understand your culture over the long term. And then you get to know our, our talent and, and expose your brand to the talent over the long term. So we're looking for companies to become members of the room and also start posting immediate opportunities, et cetera. So that it's very simple. Just go to room.com and you know sign up and, and we can have a conversation with you. And then for the talent, for right now, only inviting members into the room through nomination process and through invitation process. So go online and look for someone on LinkedIn who's a room member and ask them to nominate you if you know them. But we will soon be opening up an open application process for people to, to be able to go on to the room.com and apply to be members. And then they'll go through our selection process. And we're also going to be launching a nomination process where we'll reach out to hiring managers and executives and say, hey, who do you want to nominate to the room? Because you know that they're top talent. So through the nomination process, someone might nominate you to join the room or you'll be able to apply to become a room member and then go through our selection process. And I described the difference between the early stage and the later stage selection process. And then of course, follow us on social media. If you go on, you know, we're on Instagram and, and, and uh, LinkedIn, Room Global, um, those are our handles. So if you're, an, if you're a talent, if you're, if you're a talented person and you like the concept of the room, you're excited about having a partner that can guide you through your career over the long term, then follow us on social media. And then when the application process opens, you can apply or you can be nominated. And then that's kind of how you, you become a member. I, I like the unique process about it. I imagine for an enterprise or a company that's reaching out to the room, uh, trying to fill a role that there are a number of companies that you probably don't want to work with who are just looking to find, fill a job versus a long-term career and be established. Uh, you want to build that relationship, correct? Yeah, I mean, so we do have talent that's available immediately that companies can tap into. You know, like we've got 2,000 software engineers right now, right, that companies could hire, you know, and this year we're going to have another 10, 20,000 of them. So there are there's some immediate benefits that companies can get. But what I'm saying is that as a company, the best companies that we want to work with are not those who just want to do a short-term transaction. The companies that succeed are those who understand that you need to build an employer brand over the long term. You need to be able to attract company, and, and it takes three months sometimes to attract someone. It takes sometimes a year to attract someone. And they, you know, so you've got to start exposing your brand to this top talent. And you've got to start engaging in a relationship with us and getting us to understand your culture and, and you start to build relationships with our talent. Sometimes I've seen people come to one of our room events, not expecting to, not knowing that they were looking for a job to fill a role. They met someone at our event 
and realized that they needed to hire that person. And then they hired that person. <laughs> they didn't know they had the opportunity available. It just happened. It came upon them. Exactly. Exactly. As they were talking to them, like, you know, actually, it turns out I do need someone like you. <laughs> right. And then they created a job for that. Right? Companies that are enlightened enough to realize that people are their most great, are their, truly their greatest asset. And they're willing to invest in that. And they just don't want to, oh, I came to the, to the room, I posted a job and I, I didn't get it filled. So this is not my platform. No, that's not the kind of relationship we want. Missing the full value of the room if you don't continue to engage uh, and build your brand with the talent that's in the room, host events, other, other rooms, member spaces, just start to build relationship with this top talent. Maybe one of the members of the room might not be a good fit for your job, but because they are connected, we know that 80% of jobs are filled by word of mouth. As you build relationships with the room members, they might share it with their network and you might find the person that you're looking for, right? So that's the way for companies to think about the room. It's that to plug in to an sex and a community of the world's most extraordinary talent, build a long-term relationship with that community and it will pay off you know, in a multitude of ways. All right, folks, you have heard it here from CEO and founder of The Room, Fred Swanaker. Fred, thank you so much for joining and sharing your story and the information about The Room and sourcing the top talent. Remember, it's not just transactions. Fred, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, John. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you and uh, have a happy rest of the new year. Thank you, you as well. This has been John Meyer Podcast. I'm your host. As always, don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and notify because we got more awesome content on the way.